Well, might be miserable outside, but we're going to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Felt like a winter's morning, I tell you. All right, we can turn to First Peter chapter 1. Now, <clears throat> uh, what I will speak about today, I'm sure it's going to generate further discussion. <laughs> I better preface. And uh, contention possibly, who knows. But, um, but I just want to, and I, it's not like I'm deliberately targeting it, it's in the context of what I spoke of last time, so that's why I'm going to go to where I will head today. So... Um, uh, so that you'll understand. But remember, two weeks ago, we looked at um, Ephesians 2, verse 8, where the Bible talks about that we have been saved by grace, through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so, we made emphasis of the fact that, uh, well, we looked at how grace we are saved by grace and our salvation is based in grace, but we looked at uh, the context and application of, in the scripture of what it means through faith. Because there are those that hold to the fact that faith is uh, the gift. It's interesting because just the other day I received an, e- an email from Got Questions. Does anyone get that? Yeah. Um, and so it made reference to a few things and then it went on to um, an issue of faith and I, I went on to another link associated with that website and it spoke about and it said um, that we are, we are saved, this is what it said in reference to Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace through the gift of faith. And I, I, I looked at that and I said that is not, to, we are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The gift of God is salvation. The gift of God is his grace. And faith is the conduit or channel, as we'll see in the Greek again, as I'm going to point out, that is, uh, enables us to receive. And it is our faith that activates that. Yes, it is a result of God's grace, but God gives us enough grace, uh, amen, as he draws us to himself uh, and he works in our hearts so that we can willingly make that profession. Okay? And so... I think that's important to, to emphasise because God makes no choice for no man. In the sense that we, God gives us enough grace uh, uh, in our, our lives in order for us to make the choice to activate faith, uh, but that faith is still our faith in that sense. God's not going to um, uh, uh, have faith for us. He's not going to make that choice for us. No one's going to be in heaven who doesn't want to be there. And so um, it's important to just uh, re, uh, uh, understand these things because they make, uh, in, in Calvinism, they make grace, uh, you know, one of the, the tulip, and one of the uh, points is uh, irresistible grace. Somehow you can't resist the grace of God when it comes. Well, my Bible says you can. In actual fact, it says you can receive the grace of God in vain. You can nullify God's grace in your life in relation to salvation. In the acceptable time of, of, I have heard you. On the day of salvation I have helped you. In other words, uh, do not um, receive the grace of God in vain in Second Corinthians 6. So you can resist the grace of God. You can insult the spirit of grace. 
And so um, these are things that we find there in the scripture. But salvation is through faith. And that word through, just to refresh our memories in the Greek, it literally means the channel of an act. And the act of God's grace is, uh, is flows to us, is extended to us, uh, amen, as, uh, uh, through the conduit or channel of faith, through faith, our faith, our believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now having said that, the phrase through faith appears numerous times throughout the New Testament and in the Scriptures. And so as I was considering this, my mind was drawn to another particular portion of text in 1 Peter, which we will read in a moment, where we find again the same words, through faith. And it is a wonderful portion of Scripture, when we, as we'll see when we read it. And uh, in actual fact, the emphasis of the scripture itself uh, means is, uh, is, uh, we are kept by the power of God for salvation or, uh, through faith. Or we are kept by the power of God through faith is actually what uh, Peter says. And it's a, it's a tremendous portion of scripture, but again we find those words through faith. And yet, like Ephesians 2, which is a wonderful portion of Scripture, this too is, is a Scripture that's, you know, again, without, is not without controversy. And so, Ephesians 2 talks about the issue of faith as it relates to salvation. And so, in First uh, Peter, we find the issue of through faith as it relates to the eternal security of the believer. And so it's in this context that I want to look at the flip side or the other side of the coin, if you want to call it, uh, as we consider uh, our, uh, the eternal security of the believer, especially in the relation to uh, uh, Peter's words that we find here in 1 Peter chapter 1. What role does faith have? In the same manner we established that salvation was by grace, obviously, through faith, so too, as I will seek to, to, to show you in the Scriptures, our eternal security is also established, obviously by grace in a certain sense, but nevertheless through these words, through faith. And so, what responsibility does man have? See, the grace of God saves us. There's no doubt that the grace of God keeps us. And the keeping uh, grace of God is undisputed within Scripture, but yet we can't at the same time put aside the, the words that the just shall live by faith, or in Habakkuk where we find the words the just shall live by his faith, and it is a personal faith that is uh, to be manifest and demonstrated. And so I seek to point out this morning that there is a present responsibility contained in the words of the text that we're going to read through faith. And uh, let me say from the onset... Let it be clear, the Bible says clearly that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Okay? But that is not to contradict the fact that we are to exercise a living, persevering faith in God, as I will seek to demonstrate in, the, in context in the, uh, in the message that we're about to, to hear. So let's look to our text See, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? See, you have to, these, you have to be, pay attention really to the particular words. 
as I seek to emphasize. Let's read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, or whatever it is, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, who having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In actual fact, in verse 10 of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now, this portion of text is a wonderful... When we talk about assurance of salvation, there is contained in Peter's words profound. And we obviously don't have the time to go through all the details. I'll go through it just very quickly. But in what his, uh, his words and what he's said here because it's so rich and it gives us the basis for such assurance of the promises of God, of our inheritance in Christ, of that which is future, that which is now and all that is associated. And so in verse 2 even we find that Paul refers to the issue of the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And so here we are, amen, uh, saved and in Christ Jesus. But um, when we read Peter's words, the elect, uh, let us make the distinction again what that elect is. You see, because again, according to uh, 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 Calvinistic thought and theology, they will claim that election has to do um, with uh, the election to salvation of particular men unconditionally who comprise the corporate body incidentally. But when we talk about the elect, we don't see election in that sense. We, in the biblical understanding, it, election is this, the elect to salvation is corporate in Christ Jesus and comprehends individuals or individual men only in identification and association with the elect body. See, the elect, we are in Christ. We are the church. We are elect in that sense, amen, that we have identified with through faith. We have accessed this grace, amen, we are saved by grace. And so, in that sense, we are in Christ. We are the elect. Not in the sense that we have been elected by God unconditionally. 
to uh, um, be saved while others are, are, can, are being overlooked and you know, they're, they're predestined to be damned to hell. That's not the election in which we uh, understand and hold within the Scriptures. We are by grace through faith. In verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been born again unto a living hope in Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. And that is our assurance, amen, uh, as our brother has touched upon earlier today uh, in terms of that which relates to the body and that which relates to our ultimate uh, salvation that will be revealed as Peter will talk about uh, in the last time. But in verse 4 we find such rich words. Look, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. See, these words are are such potent words this morning. They give us absolute assurance of our position in Christ and our salvation that is secured for us in Christ Jesus. And so this, and just quickly, the word incorruptible talks about, you know, being self-explanatory, but it's just undecaying. This is, uh, uh, it's, it's an eternal continuance that uh, it will never be corrupted. That's our inheritance, that's in Christ, our inheritance. It's undefiled, meaning that it cannot be soiled, it is eternal. Praise the Lord. And it says, Peter says, will not fade away. It doesn't dissipate or disappear, but it is eternal, it is perpetual, it is forever. And it is reserved in heaven for you. And this word is, means to be kept, it, means it is guarded. And it is a military word, amen. And so when you hear Peter's words, you can't but not see and, and, and identify the assurance of salvation. Praise the Lord. It's there. Peter's declared it. And he goes as further to say uh, in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. Now again, that word kept is a, in the Greek is a, uh, is a military word. It means a garrison. And so think about it. You know, uh, we are kept by a, a garrison is a huge army in the, in the world. Uh, you know, that, uh, in, in, in a worldly sense, uh, a garrison of numerous number of people that are guarding. And we are kept, amen, by the power of God. And so when we look at these things, we can't not but see assurance. Jesus said that, 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 that no one will be able to snatch his children out of his hands because in Christ we are eternally secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And if we are to speak about eternal security, Peter's words are, 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 are potent, they are rich and they are real. And we can look at that and we can see it for what it is, but listen to the words that follow, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Through faith. 
for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, the insertion of those words through faith, it it adds another aspect to the whole equation as I understand it and from what I can see in in principle the same way as Ephesians 2.8. We can't ignore the words that are there. They're through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the appointed time in the future. And so we have it. This is, uh, this is eternal security and the scripture is clearly saying through faith. Remember, through faith means the channel of an act. What's, what's, what's the, that, that channel, that conduit? What is it that's coming to us through faith? Eternal grace and eternal security. Kept. Uncor- incorruptible. Undefiled. Doesn't fade away. Everything that Peter has just spoken of is we are recipients of. We, that is our possession. That is our inheritance. We stand on that. Through faith. And so we can see that we, through faith, we are eternally secure. But again, as always, as in Ephesians 2 verse 8, the controversy surrounds those words through faith. And so, is it God's faith? Is it man's faith? How does it work? Through faith. Because it's the same phrase that we find in Ephesians 8, two, sorry, Ephesians 2 verse 8 that relates to salvation that we've spoken of. And so as I was considering this and looking at it, I came across, and I'm using this particular one as a reference and, uh, because it, I thought it was appropriate, but as I was searching some of this out, I came across some articles by John Piper and some people may, I'm sure, know who he is and, and his theological perspective in relation to this. But he makes an emphasis as he writes about this particular text of verse 5, especially concerning First Peter. And as I was reading that, I felt disturbed in my spirit, to be honest, because I felt that uh, he was inserting concepts into the scripture trying to suggest that something someone like myself would actually interpret the scripture or what we would try and communicate as a result of uh, uh, trying to interpret the words through faith and how that will affect the whole of what Peter is talking about. And so as I began to uh, uh, see that, I saw um, that, um, in my opinion, he was not being fair in the manner in which he, the, the assertions that he was making. And he would say to combat, he, in his argument against those who would argue for the point of through faith, such as myself, and then that being men's faith, he would interpret our, our approach to this particular text and to Peter's words and he will say these words that the believer is left insecure. I don't know. I just, I just read those texts from Peter. I don't think I put forth insecurity. In actual fact, they are the complete opposite. There's nothing to be insecure about there. Or he will, he will say these words, does God stand back to see if we will make it to heaven? Is that how, is, is that when I say through faith, is that what I'm implying? No. Is that what the text is implying? No. But see, these are the assertions that get us to jog our mind to think of what we're trying to, to undermine, what I would say the scripture is trying to teach us and tell us. And I'll prove it further. 
And so by putting these presuppositions in, it changes the way we look at the text. Because uh, at no point do I interpret the text as leaving the believer insecure. Far, far from it. Actually, it's written for security. It's written to make the believer secure. And by no means does it suggest the scripture that God stands back. It, it, it says the opposite. But yet that is the inference of what is being implied by what I am proclaiming if I was to interpret through faith to be how I see it, as I have already demonstrated, and you know how I'm thinking here and what what, how I've interpreted the scripture as I've looked at it two weeks ago and even today. He will even go on to say that if we are to make through faith speak of man's faith, then we seem, listen, we seem to make eternal security uncertain. See, we would seem. Well, I would say according to the scripture, it doesn't seem to suggest that. Okay? Because when, uh, through faith, it, does, it, it actually secures. The conduit secures the faith. Amen. Uh, we, we, faith secures God's grace. It secures these things, the inheritance. Not, it's not the opposite. Let me go further here, and I'm going to quote him, because I want us to say, see this. Because he goes on to refer to verse 5. Now listen carefully to what he says as I read it to you, and I'll share my thoughts. He says, so, what does verse 5 mean in 1 Peter? When it says we are protected from losing our final salvation by the power of God through faith, it means that God's power protects us for salvation by sustaining our faith. I don't have a problem with that. God is the author and finisher of our faith and uh, uh, God's grace sustains our faith. Uh, Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen further. The only thing that can keep us from heaven is forsaking our faith in Christ and turning to other hopes and other treasures. So, to protect us, God prevents that. Does he? He inspires and nourishes and strengthens and builds our faith. I agree. Peter would say that too. And in doing so, he secures us against the only thing that could destroy us. Unbelief. Is that what the Bible teaches? I don't believe so. If, if, if not, then why are we warned against the unbelief? Why are we, uh, do we find so many exhortations and teachings surround it? And when the Bible, as I will seek to prove. You see, in actual fact, through faith, he says if we make through faith to means men's faith, then somehow we are corrupting and we're making the believer insecure. But that's not what the Bible says. It's through faith that we have the security. And more than that, I do not see in Scripture, and Peter is surely not saying, that for God to protect us, he prevents us from forsaking our faith. I don't see that the guarantee in the scripture. And does God actually secure us against the only thing that can destroy us? So he's acknowledging that the only thing that can destroy us is unbelief. But God, kept in, keeping us by the power of God, 
protects us through faith from that so it will never, ever happen. So that's what you build your eternal security on. That type of faith that never, that is, uh, does, is unshakable. But you see, is that, I don't see that in the scripture. I believe that that is, a, is, is incorrect. Again, because the faith that's being spoken of by Peter through faith uh, is related to man's faith. And in verse eight, this is, uh, sorry, verse six, this is illustrated further. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith may be, which is much more precious than gold and perishes, though it is tested by fire may be made to, uh, found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, he talks about receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Through faith, eternal security is secure. As far as I would see it in this scripture, through faith, as we stand in faith, Now, when, Paul's talk, uh, when Peter's talking about your faith, he's not talking about works, that somehow faith being a works as is understood by others. You see, the whole Christian life is centred around God's grace, church. We start by grace, we are kept by grace, we stand by grace. All of those things through faith. And so we have to understand that. Salvation is by grace, Eternal security is by grace, but they are both through faith. And so, here's the point that I want to make from Peter's words through faith as it relates to the eternal security of the believer. And as I stated already, there is a present responsibility, a present responsibility in the consideration of God or the keeping grace of God in our lives. And so I want to look at a couple of scriptures and... Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Now, I know these are going to provoke different thoughts, and so um, I, I'm, I'm mindful of that, and I'm not trying to be contentious here. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless and above reproach in his sight. This is the position that we have as a result of our salvation and being reconciled in verse 21 22. Verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, and that faith obviously being in the... Um, uh, as it's re- referred to as there, but nevertheless that the faith is still requiring faith. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to everyone or every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so the, the emphasis there is if indeed you continue in the faith, and so, because we have this, the, the verse 21 and 22 is eternal security, full stop. But again, it's a, it, the pattern is if you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. See, there are the inherent dangers that I see that are being alluded to 
in this instance. Let's go to another one. This one's going to be interesting because we've all studied it recently in Book of Romans, chapter 11. But I want to, I want to highlight something, so stay with me. Romans chapter 11, verse 20. Now, again, before I read this, it, it must, I know that both Bible studies have been, uh, uh, there's a four, but I know two of them are doing Romans. And we must be stated that predominantly Romans 9 to 11 is talking about nations, the nation of Israel. It's talking about Israel, Gentiles and the church. And they're the predominant features and themes that are connected um, in those chapters. Because again, Calvinism takes those principles and takes them to uh, a personal application of predestination. Now, I'm not denying that within those chapters there are, uh, there are personal references to individuals. And there are, out of all of this, individual applications of those principles. So in saying this, some will say that it doesn't apply to the individual, but I see it as having an application to the individual in these particular verses because how you see it changes the perspective that you have. But let's read from verse 20. And uh, Paul is talking about Israel and the Gentiles and how their branches were broken off in verse 19, talking about Israel because of their rejection of the Messiah. And so he's responding because the Gentiles are saying, well, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And he says in verse 20, well said, because of unbelief they were broken off. That is the rejection of Jesus and their unbelief in the Messiah. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you goodness if you, can, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Now, in the context before and after, there is clearly reference to uh, Israel and the Gentiles as a corporate. There's two corporate bodies, two corporate entities. But as, uh, as throughout these three chapters, there are references and applications to individuals and I think that the same applies in this instance, in these verses, because Paul would say to them, but you stand by faith. This is to the saved, as I understand it. But you stand by faith, but be careful because if you don't continue, then like them in their rejection of the Messiah, you too could be cut off. So let's put some context to all of this and stick with me because I'm going somewhere uh, to try and connect some dots here. Okay? Uh, I'm sure everyone's thinking some thoughts. But let's go further. See, Peter says, We are kept by the power of God through faith. And so let's try and define in the sense in which we are kept because are we protected, as Piper would say, and prevented from unbelief? According to the teaching of the Scriptures, I would argue and show you that we're not. Now turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 10. (coughs) Now therefore, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. There it is again, the elect body, the church. That they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
This is a faithful saying. If, for if we died with him, he shall also live, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So here again, Paul is stating and in the affirmative in the first verses there, but then he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. And so, uh, and we find that again in the Gospels where Jesus talks about if we confess Christ before men, he'll confess us before the Father. But if we deny Christ before men, he will deny us before the Father. And so uh, in that line of thinking, uh, as Paul quotes here, he says, if we deny him in terms of a rejection of him, then he will deny us. But in verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Where that is a different context. Because let's, let's, let's be honest, how many of us in our Christian walk are always have full assurance of faith? We don't waver. We've always got our faith. Our faith is sorted, right? Not true. We go through various trials. We go through various uh, tribulations. We go through various sufferings in this life and our faith is tested. Our faith wanes sometimes. And I would venture to say that at times we may be in a state of unbelief and we're not trusting God. But God, in that sense, amen, he is faithful, even if we are faithless, because he can't deny himself and we have all experienced the faithfulness of God. Can you say amen? In light of our own uh, uh, lack of faith uh, so often in this journey and in this pilgrimage. But our, great, our faith is to grow. And thank God that that is what happens as Peter talks about in our text. But that's how I see it. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. Uh, uh, but yet uh, if we deny him, he will deny us. So let's look at this a little bit further. Turn with me to Hebrews 10. <clears throat> because in Hebrews, well, in the book of Hebrews itself, as in the book of Romans, there's an emphasis and theme of the just shall live by faith. Romans 1 talks about it and then it talks about that faith right throughout the book. Hebrews talks about it right throughout the book. And it culminates in, in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter there of the Bible. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention as I, as, as, to substantiate here what I'm talking about. When we, when we, when we, remember, we're t- keeping in the context, kept by the power of God through faith. Now, in, I mean, we find in Hebrews especially that we are, we're told to refer and to reflect upon the children of Israel because what was, the, what was God's charge against the children of Israel? What was their, their, their fatal sin? Unbelief. And so unbelief was uh, the critical sin, fundamental sin, that caused them, for God to be displeased with them and so forth. And so the scripture makes various references throughout the book in relation to this. But in chapter 2, specifically, actually chapter 3, verse 12, sorry, just after... It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and so forth and how God swore they would not enter into his rest. But listen to what it says in verse 12. It says, beware, brethren, 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. See, it's a warning. Lest there be an evil heart of unbelief causing us to depart from the living God. Now this word, depart, is the word, Sam and Jim were just talking about it, aphistemi. But it means in this particular word, and as it's being used in the Greek here, it means to remove, to instigate, to revolt, to desist, to desert. And so the scripture is warning us that through unbelief we would turn away, we would remove ourselves, we would revolt and desert the living God through departing from him due to an evil heart of unbelief. Now, (coughs) it is interesting because there are two root words associated with this word depart. As I've just referred to the word itself, but it comes from two Greek words. And it comes from the first word, which means uh, apo, which means off, away. And then it comes from a second word, histimi. So we get apostimi. So histimi means to stand. And so we are standing on the promises of God. We are standing by faith. In Romans 11, where it says, we stand by faith, that word stand is the same uh, Greek word uh, that's being used here uh, in, uh, uh, that we find uh, that's connected in Hebrews 3, verse 12. So we stand by faith. But if we depart from the living God uh, through an evil heart of unbelief uh, and then deny him, then, amen, we, I would say we would forfeit, uh, according to the scriptures, uh, our eternal security and it is possible to turn our back on God and forfeit our salvation. That is my thoughts. And I'll go further with this. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Turn with me. Now Paul would encourage us as he writes and he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise. For yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, praise the Lord, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, but Paul, uh, you know, obviously they are, uh, they are, they're, they're, they're praying and, and expecting better things, as it's referred to in previous chapters. But the principle remains that if the just shall live by faith, and if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Now what's interesting, that word perdition, in the Greek again, means, to, to, means uh, it's a derivative of a word meaning to, be, of, uh, to ruin or to lose, or a loss of physical, spiritual or eternal. 
And how do you want to interpret that? Well, I guess that's up to the individual. But it's talking, its application to ruin and to loss refers physically, spiritually or eternally. And it talks about destruction, perishing. And it comes again from a Greek root word which means to destroy. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. Don't depart from the living God. We stand by faith. See, through faith, we have eternal security. Through faith does not mean we are insecure. In actual fact, it means the opposite. Through faith doesn't make us insecure. Through faith makes us secure. That's what Peter's arguing. That's what point he's making. Yet we have people that will come in and say, well, through faith, if you mean it to mean this, then somehow we are making the believer insecure. Listen, our faith wavers here and there. If we, if we are faithless, he's faithful, amen. But if you want to move into the arena of unbelief and uh, you know, God doesn't protect us, if we want to turn our back on God and then, um, uh, as um, uh, Piper would say, uh, let me quote him just to be correct he says um, forsaking our faith in Christ and turning to other hopes and other treasures well God doesn't protect us from that you see the just shall live by faith we are kept by the power of God through faith and what's interesting is just directly after this we just read verse 39 of Hebrews Chapter 10 is Hebrews 11. And that is the, the faith chapter of the Bible as we would refer to it. And, and at the end of it, in verse 39, it says these words, All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith. All these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Their, they, their time is coming too, where they will receive the reward of their faith, the salvation of their souls. Just like Peter talks and speaks to us about us, there's coming a time when it will all come together. Amen. And we have eternal security. Through faith, it's reserved for us in heaven. Hallelujah. Peter says and makes it clear, hallelujah. You see, the guarding, the power of God that keeps us is the guarding is affected by God's power. But the efficient cause is through faith on man's part. And by, that's the conduit, that's the, the channel of the act. By faith, amen, through faith, we have an incorruptible inheritance. That's why we can stand on it. That's why you can declare it confidently. You can, uh, you can have full assurance in light of what I'm talking about. I'm not undermining eternal security. I believe in it with all my heart. And as I conclude, I want to speak and just close with a thought from, or a statement, I should say, from Charles Spurgeon. I know that people talk about Spurgeon and they hold him up as, you know, the hero of the Calvinist theology. But there are things he says that kind of, you know, I think, and like I've referred to his book, All of Grace, which I think is a very good exposition. And at the same time, he, uh, he obviously had a, um, a Bible school, a college, a pastor's college in London, 
Charles Spurgeon, and above the doorway of the of the of uh, his I think his office or the, the the college itself, I'm not sure. But he had these words, and he said, "Holding, I am held. Holding, I am held." And I think that captures the essence of why I interpret what Scripture is saying. Because you can't hold without being held. And you can't be held if you don't want to hold. The two only work together. Holding, I am held. We are kept by the power of God through faith. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word of God this morning. Lord, I pray, God, as I have offered this up this morning, Lord, that you would speak to individual hearts. God, you would help us all, Lord, to continue to grow in our understanding of the Scriptures. God, we have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven, and we are kept by the power of God through faith. We thank you, Lord, because it's all of grace. From beginning to end, you are the author of our faith. You sustain our faith. Lord, you help us to grow in our faith. Lord, we cannot deny the grace that sustains us. And Lord, all we must do is continue to trust and believe with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. God, I pray, bless your people this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.